This lesson this morning is one of admonishment to you and to me to try to upbuild us and to make us feel better. This is a time of great stress and sorrow and illness and sickness. And I'm hoping that the things I have to say this morning will uplift you as they have done me. How deep is the Father's love for us? It's not a question. It's an amazement. Before we really get into that, two things. I almost forgot. There are good things that happened in the year of 2020. My oldest granddaughter, Wren, and her husband, James, were baptized this week. And it's a wonderful thing. So there are good things that do happen, even today. Let's talk about the characteristics of God as we find in the scriptures. There are many. He is a multi-faced God. He is a full God. There are many things about him. We don't know everything, but the scriptures in the Bible tell us a lot about our God. He's righteous, first thing on the list. In Psalms 119, righteous are you, O Lord, and upright are your judgments. The Lord is righteous in all his ways. For the Lord is righteous, his, he loves righteousness, his countenance. Behold the upright. He is a righteous God. He is correct, if you want to look at it that way. He's right. But that makes him a righteous judge. He judges righteously. In Romans, the second chapter, the Apostle Paul said in the fifth verse, But in accordance with your hardness of your impotent heart, you are treasuring up for yourselves wrath in the day of wrath and revelation in the, in the righteous judgment of God. Who will render to each one according to his deeds eternal life to those who be patient, continuance in doing good, seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish, on every soul of man who doth evil, of the Jew first and also to the Greek. Our God is not only righteous, but when he judges, he judges righteously. Later on in that second chapter of Romans, the writer says, For there is no partiality with God. He's not taking favors when he judges. He is righteous in his judgment and not swayed from those things that are right. Oftentimes, we don't like to talk about this very much. But he is a vengeful, vengeful God. He will take vengeance on those that do evil. He's promised us that. It shows in the scriptures. In Psalms 91, 94 and 1, it says, O Lord God, to whom vengeance belongs, O God, to whom vengeance belongs, shine forth. Our writer in Romans 12 said, Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to the wrath for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. If you and I got what we deserved, the vengeance would be bad. Fortunately, that's not the only characteristic that our God has. But he is, the ven he is a vengeful God. He will take vengeance on those that do evil. There are lots of characteristics, and we could go on for a long time, but I just listed a few. He is a God of truth. The things he says are truthful. He is the God of mercy. He is just. He's unchanging. And he's eternal. That's our God. That's who we worship. 
Those are some of the characteristics of our God. And look at uh, Exodus 34 and 5. If you remember in the scriptures, the scripture said that God, since he could not swear by any other name than his own because there was none greater, he swore by that. Well, here he tells Moses, who had gone back up on the mount for the second time to get the tablets of stone with the Ten Commandments again written because he had broke the first ones on purpose at the, the things the people had done. God had told Moses himself who he was. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and the transgressions and sins. God proclaimed to Moses and to us in the scriptures, this is who I am. This is about me. This is how I exist. These are the characteristics that I have. The most important characteristic is that of love. We know in John 4 and 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. Why? For God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. The most important characteristic of our God is he imputes love. He is love. A love, as we'll go through the scriptures, that I don't believe that you and I as, as humans can really grasp at how deep his love is. When I think about God and that he is love, it reminds me of the parable that Jesus said about the prodigal son. We know this, the story of the prodigal son, and without getting into deep in deep detail, he told his father, he said, give me what's mine, I'm going to leave. And his, his father gave him what was his, and he left. And he wasted it, and he threw it away, and riotous living, the scriptures tell us, and he had joined himself to a Gentile and was feeding swine. And he was so hungry, he wanted to eat what he was feeding the pigs, but it wasn't his to eat. Well, I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. Where am I? I've lost that scripture. I'm sorry. We can finish the story. We know that, I'm sorry, you're just going to have to bear with me. I can't. I got to figure out what in the world I did. There it is. Sorry. I got ahead of myself. Excuse me. Electronics gets to me sometimes. Whoops, I'm on the fall. For our God, he is love. And we know that. I had Van read the 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter today. The chapter of love, we've all heard that. Almost any wedding that you go, go to, a big portion of it is read somewhere during the service. It has to do with what love is. 
And if God is love, then he must also have those characteristics. Those have to be the characteristics that he has because he is love. And what Van read to us, it says that love is long-suffering, it is kind. If you read the Old Testament, you, you'll see that God was long-suffering and he was kind to his people. Does not rejoice in iniquity, rejoices in the truth. Love never fails. Now when I read that for at a wedding or hear it at a wedding, that's always bothered me. Love never fails. But when it comes to God, his love never fails. 4,000 years before Christ came upon the earth, God promised Abraham that I'm going to make a people from you, and from those people there will be a Savior that is sent and come. Sure enough, God created the nation of Israel. And Israel would sometimes follow God and most of the time not. And they would come back and follow God and then they would not come. And he would punish them and they'd come back and he would reward them. But it took 4,000 years. But love never failed. When it comes to God, love never fails. He sent his son for us that we have a chance for eternal life. Why? Because he loves us. We didn't choose God. God chose man. Don't know why. Neither did Psalm, neither did the writer of Psalms 8. When I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moons, the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? God, when I look out at everything you've made, why is man so special? Why do you care? about us but God chose us to love in Deuteronomy 7 speaking there through Moses he said for ye are holy people to the Lord your God the Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself a special treasure of all the people of the face of the earth. And the Lord did not set his love on you, nor chooses you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all people. God chose the Israelite people to be a special treasure to him. Continuing there in Deuteronomy, the seventh chapter says, But because the Lord loves you, and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercies for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. God chose this people, these Israelite people, not because they were great, not because they were special, but because he had promised the fathers, that he would pick them and he would love them. And if they loved him he would and keep the, his commandments, then he would love them and cherish them as what? His special treasure. 
in Isaiah 63 and 7. I will mention the loving kindness of the Lord and the praises of the Lord according to all the Lord has bestowed on us and the great goodness towards the house of Israel which he has bestowed on them according to his mercies, according to the multitude of his loving kindness. God chose those people and he kept those people. Jeremiah 31 and 3 said, The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you to me. I have brought you to me. I have chosen you because of my loving kindness. In our dispensation in time, after Christ came and died on the cross for us, he has chosen a particular people. A peculiar people, the scriptures tell us. He has chosen those that believe and obey him to be sons and daughters. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their hearts and in their mind will I write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. He has picked a new people. He has picked people that are now through faith a part of the promise he gave to Abraham. He has picked us to be his people. Proverbs said, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. What a consolation. If we will search after the Lord, he promises, I'll be there for you. I'm there. And I love you because you love me. Okay, we, we sung the song, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. How Vast Beyond All Measure. That's not a question. You notice it's got an explanation point at the end of it. It wasn't that, well, how deep is his love? No. How deep is his love? As an admiration, as a wonder, as an awe that God can have that deep a love for me. How vast beyond all measure. Now we get to talk about the prodigal son. We know that he finally came into his senses and it says in the 18th verse, I will rise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. This was a man that had left his, his father and his family and went out and did all kinds of bad things. But he came to his senses and said, you know, the servants that my father has has more bread than they can eat. So he came back to his father. Human beings, mankind, has left God. And when those that have the sense to look and say, I need to be with the Father, then they will come back to him. Now, did this son really deserve the love and kindness of his father? I don't think so. He left home. He did what he didn't want, his father didn't want him to do, and he, he came back, and he was in tatters, and he had been broken down. 
But it says when he was still a, a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. How long had the father been standing there looking out from the front porch, hoping his son would come home, hoping his son would realize that true love and peace and understanding is with the father. It's where you need to be. And the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servant, Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and found. And they began to be merry. The son said, I'm not worthy be called your son we're not worthy to be called his son but when we come back to the father when we are with the father he wants to rejoice and he wants all to rejoice he didn't hold his son for those iniquities of the past He held his son because his son came back to him and was with him. The song goes on to say, He should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. This is part of the love of God that I think is beyond our comprehension. He took his son on the cross And he died for us that he could make us sons and daughters. Isaiah 64 and 6, But we are all like as unclean things, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. In our own selves, we are not righteous. We are as filthy rags. And yet God sent his Son so that we could be that special treasure. We could be turned from a wretch to a treasure. In Exodus 19 and 4, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if thou wilt indeed obey my voice and keep my commandment, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and ye shall be... To me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. There are the words which shall be spake to the children of Israel. He made the children of Israel a special treasure. He has made you and I that believe in him as his sons and daughters a special treasure. And he did that by putting his son on the cross that he could change our lives forever. First Peter 2 and 9, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into my, his marvelous light, which once was not a people but are now the people of God, who have not ob- obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. He has made you and I special. He has made us his sons and daughters. 
How great the pain of searing loss. The father turned his face away. If you as a father and a mother, as me as a father, and our child was dying a horrible death and we could stop it and we could fix it, we would. No doubt. But not God. His love was deep enough that he turned his face away so that the Son of God could die so that you and I could be special. Now for the sixth hour until the ninth hour there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, Lamachani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The Son of God who had lived with his Father for eternity bore the sins of the world, bore my sins, and I had not been born for 2,000 years. And his father let him die. The perfect sacrifice. The love that we cannot understand. As wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. We have the answer of why he did that. Because that sacrifice justified many. In Isaiah 53 and 10, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief when he made his soul an offering of sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. He allowed the Son of God to be bruised that his justice, his nature could be satisfied so that you and I can be justified in his sight. I cannot boast in anything, no power, no wisdom. Come straight out of the scriptures, Ephesians, the second chapter and the fourth verse. But God, which is rich in mercy because of his great love, which was, which was he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised up us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come I might show the, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If you're striving to be righteous, you will be as filthy rags. No matter how good you think you are, no matter how good you try to be, no, we have nothing to boast in. For our salvation was given to us through grace that God sent, gave to us through the death of his Savior. But I boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Corinthians 2 and 1, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The Apostle Paul told those brothers, I didn't come with special speeches. I didn't come with glorious orientation, uh, orations. No, what I came with is Jesus Christ, the message, and him crucified. 
How critical is that message? But I boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, the only thing we can boast in. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. If you've ever been on a discussion, I know I have, and, you, and you're talking with someone about some difficult parts of the Bible, and you're not sure, and they're not sure, and you say, well, when we get there, when we get to heaven, we can ask, we'll know. We've got the right answer. Or why does God do what he does? He said, well, when we get there, we'll find out. We'll know. That question won't be answered. There is no answer for that question. Why should he get, I gain from his reward? And the reason is, is because it's pure grace. There's no logic. There's no reason why God loves us. There's no reason why he chose us. There is no reason why he sent his son, except for grace. He did it because he wanted to. The definition of grace is you receive something that you have no right to. You receive something that you do not deserve or that you can gain on your own. Look what it says in John 1 and 15. John bore witness of him and cried out saying, This is, was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is prepared, preferred before me. For he was before me, and of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. Other translations say grace upon grace. Others, grace in grace. The idea is that it's not just grace that he gave us, but he gave grace beyond all measure of grace. He gave us grace and more grace. And he gives us grace today. And he is, he is the one who gives grace upon grace upon grace. And he did it through his son. This I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. God wanted his son to die on the cross that we can have the forgiveness of our sins. Romans 3 and 24 says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a perpetuation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because his forbearance God has passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of one who has faith in Jesus. Our God is a righteous God. He is a God of righteous judgment. And if he looks down upon mankind and judges us for what we are, we will all be condemned. But instead he sent his son that through his sacrifice we can be justified because he is justified and thereby we are justified through our faith in Jesus Christ how deep is the father's love for us how vast beyond measure this year has been horrible for most of us the pandemic has been bad People have been sick, not only of the pandemic. Our country seems to be almost at the point of being ripped apart. So when you have comfort and you need comfort, how deep is the Father's love for us? It's amazing. It's wonderful. 
it's awe-inspiring. Whatever else happens, He is eternal. He is here for us. He is our God. I hope there's something in the lesson that will give you to think through the week and uplift you when you think of the things that are going on, that whatever happens, God is God and He is our God. And it's a wonderful thing. This has not been a lesson of the first principles, but we always offer an invitation. If there's someone that is subject to the gospel call, we ask you to come as we stand and sing two verses of the song selected. Yeah.